In the last episode, uh, we brought in a voice which uh, showed us uh, other purposes of uh, sacred music and uh, even the space for ugliness and, and challenge. Now, in this episode, I wanted to continue that debate and also get a, a counter voice on that again uh, that uh, brings back the importance of beauty and staying God-centered uh, instead of man-centered as the general rule. Uh, so let us continue uh, this uh, discussion on uh, uh, beauty in uh, music. But remember, these are principles that you can also use in other areas of life. In this revival to recover beauty and to revive truth and goodness with it. So let's jump into it. The world in the West has become increasingly ugly. People are increasingly depressed and big movements all over the world are now telling modernism enough is enough. Join us on this podcast as we unite these voices and together recover the beauty of art, music and architecture to uncover its significance for environmental stewardship, mental health, moral goodness, objective truth, and a vital spiritual life. My name is Magnus Gautestad, and this is Beauty and the Faith. Well, greetings. We are back in an important discussion about beauty and faith. I am so glad to have with me Bill here. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Good to be with you. I'm glad to be here with you as well. We have recently got to know each other uh, in uh, uh, in a Facebook group uh, for uh, composers, and uh, there was a discussion there based on the last episode regarding uh, the place for challenging or even ugly music in sacred music. Then uh, we have had a respectful and and, uh, and also a, a discussion which highlights different sides of this uh, important uh, debate. And I really want to just follow straight up. Uh, with an interview uh, with William or with Bill here. And so let us uh, introduce uh, him, and then we're going to actually do the same questions as we had on the last episodes uh, to, to kind of get the full picture on some of these important questions. And some of those who are listening right now, I know you're not composer or classical composers, and maybe you're not even a Christian, but there are principles for beauty here that I'm sure that you can use also in, in your work as an artist or just as an, uh, uh, somebody who appreciate uh, the arts, architecture uh, or music or whatever it should be. So look for the principles that we are uh, talking about here uh, as we're coming together for beauty to, to transcend the dehumanizing parts of modernism. So William or Bill, as uh, um, people call him, David Furioso is an uh, avid student of music philosophy and theology, and has uh, a very diverse career path, which has uh, spanned more than five decades on four continents as a music performer, composer, minister, missionary, and teacher author. Bill studied percussion with uh, John Beck, Eastman School of Music, Rochester, New York, uh, Theodore Fresher at Sonny Fredonia, and Jan Williams, University of Buffalo. He played with the Erie and Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestras, as well as with Shia Studio Arena Theater in Buffalo, New York. He also performed in evenings of new music with the Creative Associates under the direction of Lucas Foss at the Carnegie Recital Hall in New York City and the Abright No Art Gallery and Domus Theater in Buffalo, New York, as well as a number of number of university campuses in the USA and Canada. 
Bill is also an accomplished jazz musician. Bill studied music theory and composition with Steven Vialaninsky at Sunny Fredonia, and his compositions for various ensembles have won awards at the National Association for the Music Education and University of Northern Illinois Conferences. A number of his uh, multimedia compositions of uh, new music were premiered at the Center of Creative and Performing Arts in Buffalo, New York. Bill has served as a music director in a number of churches and has traveled extensively for 30 years, teaching in churches and performing music throughout the United States, as well as cross-culturally in Southern Africa and Brazil. Bill has written numerous articles and essays on a wide variety of subjects in the field of theology, as well as aesthetics. And that was just where our crossroad uh, brought us together. And uh, he has a, a website uh, called atchriststable.org. Uh, and that is a ministry and a very, very captivating websites on, on deep thoughts, deep reflected and grounded thoughts on these topics. I really am, I feel honored to have you with us here today, Bill. You have uh, an, an enormous amount of experience within music and also deep thoughts on beauty. So let's jump in with the first question here uh, in this discussion. What type of music gives glory to God and what doesn't? Well, firstly, I would say God-centered music. And by that, I mean music which intentionally seeks to reflect the attributes of God. That music obviously seeks to give glory to God. Um, secondly, that since God's creation reflects him and his attributes, music which seeks to reflect the attributes of God's creation will also give glory to God. Um, I think I would add that God's attributes are deep and rich. We can have a very elementary perception of them, uh, but through study and reflection, we could grow in our understanding and, and communication of the attributes of God. Uh, as far as music that does not give glory to God, I, I would say almost all secular modern art, uh, it's a generalization, but I think it's generally true, uh, very intentionally seek to reflect either the artist's ego and or uh, the tenor of our age. That is, uh, their art is mirroring and, and commenting on our uh, contemporary culture. And now from a, a biblical worldview, all of that effort is amounts to a fixation on uh, the human condition. Uh, the fallenness of mankind. Having said that, though, uh, however, the sin and death in this world, it, it's most certainly a reality. And if we do choose to speak to that in, in, our, in our works of art, I think we must also reflect God's redemptive uh, love and power. Otherwise, we're simply giving glory to fallen man and the powers of darkness which which govern uh the world system so yeah i i think uh, that would be and that's really the heart of what i have had to say uh it's the, it's the kernel thought on, on uh what i had to say on 
aesthetics, a biblical mm. worldview of aesthetics. Mm. Just by the way, that, what, what I have to share, I, I shared it, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was in 2019 with um, the Fellowship of uh, uh, Art Music Composers. Uh, they asked me to read, I, I presented it as a paper. Um, and uh, that's basically what I have to share on aesthetics or the essence of it. Mm. Yeah. So, and in that, and thank you so much for sharing, I think there's many ways we could go with that. But I, I think that just like there's been discussions about our the, wor the, the worship services in many churches around the world, if it is God-centered or it is man-centered. And uh, and there is a, a sort of a tension there because, you know, the great commandment is to love both God and, and men. Uh, but there is something about the reflect the, the ref reflective principle you're saying here that uh, as, um, as we are to, to shine the light and, and, and to make God known, we need to reflect him and we need to be... Uh, you know, we want to be Christ-like and things like that. So, if we are reflecting the world, we are moving people more closer to to that instead of bringing them toward the light. So, I think that's some of the the reasons you say here. But at, at the same time, um, and and that was also interesting. One of the latest comments that came today is that, but somebody got a you know even in passion, somebody got to reflect Judas. Uh, so, um, what I've seen is that. In classical arts, you know, for example, a painting of Jesus on the cross, there's a certain ugliness to that, of course, the uh, Lord and Savior being tortured like that. Uh, there's other uh, paintings of martyrs, uh, which is uh, horrific, but it, it's still beautiful because there is certain, there's something about the story in the painting that transcends the whole story. Uh, like What I like, like to say is that it gives you the bad news, but it doesn't leave you there. And and I think that is uh, something uh, that many of the modern art are not able to do in, in terms of um, the the shape and the forms and the principles uh, that it is being truthful in, in some way, it is being challenging in some way, but then isn't it in moments of beauty where we, where we touch that universal sense where kind of we, we, we resolve that and we come together in that again? Uh, do you have any thoughts around there? Is, is this um, correct in your line of thinking? I just want to see if I also correct, uh, um, uh, understand you totally here. Uh, a comment about the ugliness. Uh, it, I've heard it called the scandal of the crucifixion of Christ. You know, as I've, uh, I've, I've been pursuing the Lord for some 50 years, and as I've, uh, and I, and I think I'd have to say, relatively recently, have gotten an insight into the love of God. You know, we speak about the love of God, and we usually speak about it from a, a self-centered perspective, like, I'm experiencing God loving me. And, mm -hmm. and I think some of the modern worship music, it's all about how good God is making me feel, <laughs> you know. And I don't see that as being particularly God-centered. But I don't. I don't want to get off into that tangent. But what I wanted to say about the love of God, what I've been discovering, is that suffering and love are inseparable. Hmm. 
by God's definition of love, I mean, God is love. It is his nature. But as we look into that, the nature of that love, it's, it's a suffering love. And possibly, I mean, from, possibly from God's point of view, all true love or the highest forms of love include suffering. And I, I think we all have some experience of that in loving someone and, you know, carrying that person's burden and you enter into their suffering, you know, through compassion. Hmm. And so I'm seeing suffering as I'm going to say the essence of God's love, but it's certainly a, a very integral part of the love of God. And so when we have this quote unquote ugliness uh, being portrayed in, in works of art, it's an opportunity for for ourselves and for the uninitiated to uh, get an insight into the nature of this love, you know, just how much, to what extent God went in, in Christ to display his love to us. Hmm. And, and like I say, the nature of that love. Hmm. Yeah. So there is uh, something, you know, um, so, so as you're saying, yes, there might be suffering, there might be that on the surface appears to us as ugly, but if we're able to look through it and look at the purpose of it and look how God has used that, there's a, there is a way to to transcend it. it. It is the way it becomes meaningful. It is the way it becomes good. Would you say that? But it, it needs to point in that direction or else um, it becomes uh, like a meaningless type of suffering. Um, yeah. Am I understanding you correctly? I don't want to put words in your mouth. It's just the words that comes to my mind. Yes, and something that just has come into my mind, I ask you to see if you can make a connection here. Mm. Uh, I'm going to throw in the word heroic. It's mm. something I've recently been thinking about and writing about. And just at this moment, I'm, I'm making a connection with beauty and the heroic. Mm. Uh, just like beauty is a vanishing <laughs> um, virtue in our, our contemporary world, I feel like heroic is also. We've changed the definition of a hero. We've changed the definition of heroic. And what we are calling heroic nowadays is different <laughs> than what it used to be. Hmm. And I think uh, the traditional original meaning of the word is, you know, someone who lays down their life for a cause, yeah. lays down their life for another or for a cause. And certainly we see that heroic. I, I possibly we don't often look at Jesus as a hero uh, or, I, you know, use that specific word to describe him, but he certainly is. And I think that's a missing dimension in, in uh, contemporary art. And I think it's, well, do you agree with me? It's possibly an aspect of beauty. I think you have a very um, important point there. Um, I heard one quote that said uh, by Auden Erdrum uh, in an interview, yeah, and he said that uh, modern art is to reveal the world, classical is to make people noble. And when I've been discussing the classical tradition um, with many people, they've been talking about the aspirations, that it, it shows us ideals and examples to strive for. It inspires us to, to raise above 
our fleshly desires and to reach toward uh become better also you have handle he said uh if i only entertain them i would be sorry i wish to make them better so you can see that we have a rich traditions of wanting people to be better and i think there is definitely some beauty in that it's just like when you have the butterfly you know actually you know or a, a flower that is actually going into perfection becoming better becoming uh, uh racing above the darkness there there is i think many would say universally that that's, that's a, a beautiful um that's that's a beautiful uh, act uh, so 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 i agree uh, that also now we see uh, you know many heroes are those who stand up for themselves or are proud of who they are or something like that but usually the uh, the, the more the classic hero is there it's the reluctant hero that's one of the most powerful stories there is in any movie is that type of action hero who says you know i gave that up a long time ago you know but no and then he still do it because there's something driving that person so it's it costing him him something there is a, it's a sacrifice there uh and we of course also have have jesus saying you know by laying your life down for your friends you know to uh, to exemplify uh, yes. love the love of god so um so i, I agree uh, that it is connected and i think it's very important that when we're talking about beauty that that people don't think is just some sort of prettiness uh, because uh, jesus even you know told the woman who, who put perfume uh, on him that uh, she has done a beautiful thing so mm. you can see that even God reflects on acts of beauty. So I, I do think that we have a foundation to say that um, yeah, that type of uh, uh, striving, you know, the hero, there's a certain glory there uh, that is that is beautiful and it's inspiring. Uh, and it, and it, it it really brings people in a very good good state out of their fear. And uh, so, so yes, I, I, I would confirm what you're saying there. My wife and I, are real film aficionados and we we watch a lot of films <laughs> uh, it's getting so that we we're trying to find one we haven't seen already um <laughs> but what i notice and and, and not all obviously but some are very very well done and and they're not christian films and unfortunately a lot a lot of christian films are lacking in skill and and production I suppose it's a lackey of lacking in finances. But uh, what I want to say, so many films amazingly portray the suffering of, of the human condition. And then they'll just end <laughs> with absolutely no thought of redemption. It's like there is no such thing as redemption. This is this is where we are, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. And that's the the gate for for the christian artist to to go through mm -hmm. is to present i think you know we should present that suffering mm -hmm. and um maybe something that we we may or may not discuss a bit here is uh, the the idea of catharsis our aristotle's idea of catharsis in greek drama <clears throat> but the audience can relate to that obviously Christian or not Christian, they can relate to that suffering. But uh, our our task as a Christian artist is to present that redemption, the gospel, you know, mm. the the love and the power of God to uh, transform that. Mm. Yeah. Some very uh, 
practical and clear principles that we can uh, keep in mind. And that's exactly what we're trying to do on this podcast. We're trying to just reach a wider audience uh, on a deeper level with concrete things we can do uh, because we can get all kinds of things through our mind. And then we have a question when we have some choices to make about what will be truly good for our, our fellow men uh, and, and um, what brings people closer to God. Uh, so let, let's move on to the next question here. Uh, and now we're going to be speaking about uh, leaders of music in churches. Uh, but if you are listening to this and you're not a believer, uh, then you can, again, uh, think about how this can apply in, in your areas of, of influence in music or whatever it should be. Uh, but what, what is your main advice? If there's a leader of a church leader uh, in a music department in a church, what, what is important for that person? Well, I started in Christian ministry as a music minister and uh, although I became more focused on teaching the scriptures, music always continued to play a, a part in my ministry. And very early on, I, I became in, intrigued with the concept of a new song. You know, it's mentioned in Revelation, they sang a new song. I wanted to know what that was, you know. I. The idea that there is a song which comes out of heaven, as it were, rather than a song that is birthed in the uh, various existing uh, genre of, in our surrounding culture. And then, and then it's Christianized for use in the church. Uh, I wanted to know what the new song was. Well, you know, spiritually, that new song, of course, has a God-centered lyric, you know, it's about God, as it were. But I also believe there's a sound, you know, a musical sound, which is going on in heaven that can be brought down to earth, so to speak. Um, I like the the image, the symbol of uh, Jacob's ladder, you know, with the angels ascending and descending, bringing down from heaven, you know, something from heaven. Uh, to me, that really speaks of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. You know, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. But also, um, you know, as I began to reflect uh, aesthetically, the artist being one of those messengers that's going up and down the ladder, bringing mm -hmm. something from heaven down uh or at least opening up the clouds for people to look into heaven and see something heavenly. And in this case, the new song, you know, can we bring a sound? Can we bring music uh, that would be like the kingdom of heaven? In other words, something not of this realm. And it's not just a rehashing of the various genre, you know, that we find in the world. And, and I think we have to admit, um, by and large, our Christian music, be it conventional or contemporary, <clears throat> is, is uh, and, and you know, I don't think there's anything essentially sinful or wrong about it. It's just incomplete for me hmm. to settle for something that has been birthed in this world hmm. when we may have access to, to something heavenly hmm. and bring down to the world something that doesn't exist. So it's kind of a philosophical answer to your question, what should the music leader do? Uh, I think it would be um, 
very beneficial if, if someone had that kind of perspective to begin with hmm. that would uh, influence you know decision making the day in and day out decision making of you know conducting a music ministry hmm. um you know I, I think i i have to say that I find it kind of difficult to be practical. <laughs> I'm kind of cerebral. And like you mentioned it, uh, we, we do have to turn that into some kind of practical application. And I think that's a different gift. And I, I, I see that gift in you. You have vision and uh, m- a mission that are you know concrete applications of the, this, this philosophy and this aesthetic. You know, mm. I'm just more of a thinker <laughs> right and uh, thank god that we are uh, working as a as a body uh, yes. if everybody was like me we wouldn't have a good world uh, and uh, I, I, I'm grateful that you appreciate this and just an example you're talking about Christian movies right I hear the thoughts I observe it I study it with the help of people who are more uh, intellectually uh, robust than I am and then I'm saying why don't we make a chain of Christian cinemas together with church plants? Okay, so we're working on that. And then, okay, so we need to have um, more beauty in um, in modern worship music. Okay, boom. So we're making a school for composers, right? So, so whatever we're seeing here, it's not always so easy to say, okay, you can do one, two, three. I know that's, you know, the thing of the day is like seven steps to success and all of that. That's not really what I'm saying when I'm thinking to make it practical. But what I am saying is that, we have these dis- discussions so it becomes clear enough what services we need to make. Okay, do we need to make uh, education in this department? Do we ne- need to get some investors and build some things over here? Uh, that, that's kind of a thing. You know, where do we put the entrepreneurs? Where do we put the investors? Uh, um, what main things will the missionary focus on or uh, what music, uh, which gap can we fill that there is people with a need and then uh, bring people in that direction. So, um, yeah, I really love to think like that. And I think we complement each other here. And uh, and it's very, very helpful for me to understand also how I can communicate, because if you're going to get people with on these things, they need to also have uh, deep uh, principles to follow. And one thing I wanted to to mention here, Bill, is that um, uh, when it comes to finding inspiration outside ourselves, this is already something we've been talking about here, but more like, for example, in classical tradition, you would start with an objective uh, ideal or object. You would start with literature. You would start with something outside yourself. And then you would create subjective emotions and you know you would see how you can use your story or something like that uh, but you take it even further so not only start you know within your mind and your heart and just express that you you're, and go even take that objective principle and go even uh, beyond the what we have made in the uh, objective world and go to the this almost the outside the the world yeah, and then and then bring it down here so that's a uh, powerful uh, thought I, I will say can I interject this when I studied uh, when I was doing that paper on aesthetics I, I studied the various worldviews and I think it would be correct to say that the biblical worldview sees that objectivity well that God is outside of his creation. I mean, he has to be, right? If he's the creator, he 
he created the creation. He is outside the creation. And other worldviews don't have that element. Hmm. So the that source of inspiration, if it's God, it's outside of not only me, but it's also outside of this physical creation. So it's a, it's really a reaching up into the spiritual dimension. Hmm. And it's just the nature of the case that God is outside the reality of God is outside our physical reality. Hmm. God is a spirit, <laughs> and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Hmm. We, we have to learn how to do that. Hmm. You know, we can't just draw from what we think and feel or draw even from only the physical creation. Now, it says in Psalm 19 that the heavens are declaring. I believe that, you know, that God has uh, expressed himself in his creation, obviously. But there's a, an awful lot about God you cannot know just by looking at trees and rivers <laughs> and flowers, you know. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's very met metaphysical, philosophical uh, things to know about mm -hmm. God, you mm -hmm. know, and his, his plan of redemption and things like that uh, are outside you know, they're revelation. Mm. They're outside of what's been created. Mm. I think it would be proper to say that. Very interesting. And he's given us the scripture, you know, to open up those spiritual truths. So, mm. yeah, that that's very interesting. And uh, one uh, one thought that come to uh, to my mind here is that I do love nature, but I I must say that if there's architecture or arts that has been constant uh, through symbols and through beauty has been made by those who are in his image that that more even more powerfully actually draws me to the lord um so so there's there's something there because you never see you know seven cows lining up to see the sunset it's just for animals they don't have that uh you know the that that they're not drawn to beauty in the same way that we are because we are um you know, it's like Saint Augustine says that he he has made us for ourselves, and we are restless until we rest in him. Right, so we are drawn toward. There's this. Uh, he almost creates this empty space in us for him to fill the void. Right. Yes. So, so that's what's happening with the arts is that we're we're moved toward that so that he can can fill our void. Uh, so, um, I, I want to move on to the next question here now. And um, what what difference in music? For evangelism and music for worship, uh, should there be, if any? And for example, uh, uh, Delvin Case, which was in in the uh, last episode here, he would say that some of his uh, music, the, the more challenging uh, uh, music, at uh, times also having uh, ugly um, um, uh, effects. Uh, he say he wouldn't put that in a in a worship service, but he says there is a place for that in the Christian service. And uh, so you don't have to comment ex specifically on that, but I will just, for those who haven't seen the, the last episode, you can go back and see that. I just want to set set these things in a bit of a contrast. So you, it would be interesting for you to kind of fill in the blanks here. Uh, yeah. What do you think? I, I will comment on that. <clears throat> I, I, I believe I would agree with that. Uh, but in one sense, I think music for worship and music for evangelism should both be God-centered. I mean, if uh, would it be worship if it wasn't God-centered? Would it be 
effective evangelism, I mean, what would be the point if it wasn't God-centered music? Mm. Okay, so in, in one sense, I think that both have to be God-centered. But I, I can see music for evangelism, again, speaking to uh, the fallenness of humanity, in order to identify with the suffering of fallen human beings. Now, except for being without sin, this is exactly what Jesus did with his incarnation. He identified with fallen man. Hmm. Uh, I think that Aristotle's idea, I, I brought this up a little earlier, uh, Aristotle's idea of catharsis you know, in, in the Greek drama is concerned with this as well. But, um, you know, The idea was that the audience would come to know, uh, the spectator would recognize the reality of a life situation or, or a reality concerning himself and the mental and emotional effect uh, the Greeks believe had a purifying and cleansing of the soul. I, I found that very interesting mm -hmm. as I studied out this uh, theory of catharsis, that it they believed that it had a, like when the spectator saw, heard, experienced uh, this situation in the drama that they could identify with, they felt, they thought, and they felt, and this uh, phenomena had, they believed it could purify, you know, the hurt or, or cleanse the soul, uh, with the result being a, a renewal or, or a restoration. Mm. I think it's a, a wonderful concept, mm. and it's isn't that what at least one of the goals of Christian art, and certainly in music for evangelism, would be, you know, I hear you. I suffer just like you. In fact, Jesus suffered. Hmm. Uh, but here is the redemptive story, you know. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think we can establish that identity and, hmm. and, and you know, win the confidence uh, of, of the person that we're, we're witnessing to or the audience hmm. that we're witnessing to. But... But music for evangelism must also reflect God's redemptive love and power, as I said before. And, and that's that's what Jesus did with his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, right? That's the other side of uh, or the, the finishing up of the story. Hmm. I mentioned a new song earlier, and I think that could be a type of an apologetic evangelism. I personally believe that in our age apologetics uh, in and of course that term you know we would need to define it there's different approaches to apologetics but i i think that our evangelism uh, out of necessity must be apologetic uh, in the sense of presenting the truth that we we have within us hmm. uh, how we see reality how we see the truth and so this new song presenting to the world something that looks and sounds totally different from the things in the secular arts. Uh, and, you know, it's just something that's totally different and therefore could, you know, be attractive. Because I think that the uh, the modern art does seem to be stuck. Hmm. It, it's, it's not knowing where to go next. It, the artists are even saying everything's been done. You know, where do we go from here? And it, to a large extent, it's true, but not for us. You know, we have heaven <laughs> for our inspiration. Uh, we're not finished yet. We haven't even really gotten started. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, that there's a few thoughts that I have about music and, and evangelism, you know. Yeah. That's very interesting. We we have this uh, saying, there's nothing new under the sun, but there's a lot of new beyond the sun. So uh, if we go over there, if you truly want to be original, uh, which is one of the mottos of our day, we'll start to, to uh, think about what's beyond the sun and you'll find uh, fresh ideas. Um, mm -hmm. I'll go over to the next question here. There was a, just a lot of gold you said there, uh, Bill, but uh, because of time, we need to uh, move forward. So uh, how can Christians come together to make more beautiful music? both for modern and traditional churches. And just a little backdrop here, I'm reading a book called Worshipping in the Best of Both Worlds, where they're talking about that there are some quality music in uh, with, with the different expressions because God has different attributes. So there will be some music which can reflect his human side. There's that, But that some, same genre would be too earthbound to really clearly express his magnificence, his lordship, his majesty, and things like that. Um, do, you, do you draw the line somewhere? Is it possible to come together in any way in this kind of a, almost like a worship war we are experiencing in the churches today? Well, that culture war, as we could call it, um, but in, at least in my experience in working in churches and, and in my observation, I think it has mostly to do uh, with a couple of things. One being, you know, is it actually worship? Is it addressing God? Is it, well, is it glorifying God? Or is it focusing on, again, the self? Like, I feel this and I feel that. I'm grateful for this. And I love you because of that. <laughs> it's it's really all about me. So I think that's one debate going on. And then the other debate, maybe the earlier debate, was the style of music, uh, you know, rather than what primarily primarily vocal music and more instrumental, electronic, um, and just you know pop and rock styles entering into uh, the church service. I've never been really offended by that. Um, I, I think it, you know, needs to be harnessed to to do some of the things that we were talking about. You know, so the style of music is not something that really concerns me. And, I, and like I said, I bet that new song is going to be so uh, different. <laughs> it's just, just going to be shocking. You know, it'll be something that we've never heard before. Uh, as, you know, as far as being radical. Uh, so I, I'm not afraid to be radical. Um, yeah, it's been, it's kind of my nature and it was uh, my nature in composition. Hmm. But um, you asked the question, how can Christians come together uh, to make beautiful music for both modern and traditional church? Um, I think that... Uh, most artists have come to the realization that the university campus is a hotbed for for the arts. This this has been my experience, certainly. Collaborating with other artists is very much easier on the, the college campus. And after you get out of school and you're out in the real world, so to speak, having your compositions played, for example, it's much more difficult you know, to make that happen. Uh, what can we learn from that? Well, firstly, we we should make the most of the university setting, 
with regards to influencing those artists around us with, with a God-centered aesthetic. But secondly, as in the case of the medieval times, the church must again become a patron of the arts. The church must foster appreciation and support for the arts and foster appreciation and support for the artists. The church can become that new hotbed for, for creativity. I think that's your calling. Uh, that's your, your passion. And, and that's our opportunity. Mm. You know, we, we should seize the day. Mm. Um, so, and like I said, I, I appreciate the calling of people like yourself who are, are motivated and gifted to initiate is, you know, concrete ideas and uh, efforts towards, towards doing that. Mm. But yeah, that's what I, I didn't offer any practical um, ways of accomplishing it, but I, I, I'm certainly behind the effort. That's the church needs to become a patron of the arts once again. Yeah, uh, that is a, a clear and powerful thought in my mind, at least, and and something that I think we need to uh, to take these uh, these ideas and principles, and we need to th to think how can I apply this in my situation? Because we can't be that generic here on the show. Um, we try sometimes to give some specific things. I give opportunities of how people can join. The, if you're an architect, you can join the Church Square Renewal Project we're going to do in the future. If you're an entrepreneur, how we can develop the art uh, and help churches uh, uh, have more beautiful buildings in central locations. We're having the, the, the church... Uh, uh, Christian cinema uh, chain that uh, we will be working toward with some investors now next year. That's another thing you can engage in. We have the Composers for Beauty that will be opening up with concert opportunities, bringing painters and musicians together. That's another thing you can join. Uh, if, if you want to be a part of the revival of beauty in Western culture uh, and uh, um this is, is an initiative where we come together. There's people from different church denominations. There are some people who, who proudly call themselves uh, uh, heathens, but uh, we can come together for beauty. You know, uh, amazing classical painters, for example, that's also part of these projects. Uh, and I think uh, those who are not uh, Christians, I think they have something to learn, uh, some spiritual wisdom to learn from us. But I also think that the church has something to learn from these great classical artists around the world. They also have great wisdom uh, and that we can also learn something from about excellence, uh, uh, about this uh, uh, universal language of uh, that connects us as humans together. Their humanism will have also something to, to remind us of. Uh, and I think that in, in the best sense, these things do uh, perfectly align also with scripture. But then of course, what separates us is what we put highest on the throne and what we ultimately say is is good. Um, but but that is discussions we can have, but we need to be thinking about what's the alternative if we don't come together? What's the alternative if we uh, don't find ways to take action, to engage, to be activists, to be missionaries, to invest, to uh, better ourselves? Uh, what is the alternative? So I would say the alternative is a lot better if we come together where we can right now, and we work together for beauty, uh, because that will bring also a revival of uh, uh, better people, uh, and that uh, the truth uh, will be more easily spread in such an environment. Um, so uh, we're going to be uh, finishing up this conversation today. I also wanted to mention that it's kind of an exception to talk this much about music on this show, uh, and that is because uh, we are also now 
hinting all the musicians here and those interested in music to also go to SDG, that's for Solideo Gloria, Music Radio, um, and that it's a YouTube channel. We're also on podcasts. Uh, we just have about four episodes out as we're speaking, but there will be a lot more to come there where we're really going to take... Uh, if you're interested in the music side of this and the revival that's happening right there now, uh, we would love to to have hear your comments in the uh, uh, on YouTube, uh, on on Instagram, uh, and also if if you have a, a, a strong um, perspective in this discussion that we're not covering or we're saying something that's not true, contact me on contactbeautyandafaith.com, and then uh, I'll be lo- love to have an interview with you. Now, um, Bill. How can our audience find out more about your work and your services? Well, the the name of our ministry is At Christ Table, and our website address is www.atchriststable.org. So that's Christ, uh, but no apostrophe S, but there is an S after Christ, at christstable.org. Uh, so there, uh, people can get a, the backstory, as it were, on me and my wife, Frances, as well as uh, the details of our ministry and our online resources. We just launched this new website, it's, so it's a work in progress, and it does not yet host all of my articles and ebooks and audio messages and podcasts, but at the bottom of the homepage, there are links to other sites which hold all of my written and uh, recorded messages. Uh, I also have a number of books listed on Amazon.com under the name W.D. Furioso. Uh, But people, uh, I hope, would feel free to email me uh, at ChristTable at gmail.com, at ChristTable at gmail.com. I'm always happy to spend time uh, talking with people about the things of God. Wonderful. Very clear. Uh, I encourage you, if uh, there was something here that you want to learn more about, uh, if you're a very uh, practical-minded guy like me, we do need to be in balance. We do need our minds renewed. We do need to uh, have a reason for the hope that is in us. All of these things need to be in place. And there is... uh, 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 ministers just like Bill here that helps us to actually take massive action in the right direction. <laughs> so, uh, so Bill, thank you so much uh, for your service uh, in the kingdom and and for your service for our fellow uh, men and way to uh, your way of of loving our neighbor. And uh, for all our listeners, uh, thank you so much for tuning in and and spending time on these matters. And uh, I would encourage you again. Uh, keep on learning, but keep also thinking how you can get engaged and become a doer, become a creator, uh, and uh, let us bring back and recover the beauty of arts, music, and architecture in the West and go beyond. So thank you so much, Bill, for being here. And for everybody, have a beautiful day. Thank you.